Hey, everybody, how you doing? And welcome to episode number 108 of the John Riley Project. It is Thursday, January 30th, 2020. And we are broadcasting, as we always do, from the city in the country, Poway, California. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. We're going to talk about bigotry that's infecting San Diego politics. And there's been a number of incidents that have been in the news recently, and I want to get in there and break it down and share my thoughts on it. Uh, before we get started, though, I just want to, number one, say, if you can, right here from the, from the start of the show, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. And if you hit that little bell there, then you're going to be alerted to upcoming episodes. And if you're listening on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, please subscribe as well. We're really trying hard to build our audience. But if you're here right now, I mean, you're already part of our audience and we really thank you for participating and just checking out the podcast as we go. So, um, wow. Yeah, we're going to I want to get into the the Daryl Issa, Carl DeMaio, um, you know, battle that's going on out in the 50th district for the House of Representatives for Congress. And then a little bit, you know, here in our East County area, you know, the San Diego County supervisor race in District 2 between um, the two primary candidates, Steve Voss, Joel Anderson, a lot going on there. Um, but wow, I mean, I, I want to really, before I get deep into the politics, I just want to share a couple of stories. The first one is, is just an, every, I seem to do this every podcast episode, but the San Diego State Aztecs, my goodness, 22 and 0, they just clobbered the New Mexico Lobos last night in the pit in Albuquerque. And I was watching that game. They scored 17 unanswered points to start the game. It was 17 to 0. It was like two touchdowns and a field goal. Um, the, it was, the funny thing is, is, you know, just like they do at Viejas, the fans stand up. Uh, to cheer on their team, and they don't sit down until they score. And they were standing up through at least one timeout, and you know they were five minutes into the game before they scored, and it w- they made it seventeen to two. I mean, the Aztecs just put on a clinic, and it was just beautiful to watch. Some great basketball. We are very fortunate here in San Diego to have just literally a team that many are saying can be a serious contender for the national title. I mean, imagine saying those words 20 years ago before Steve Fisher joined us here in San Diego. The Aztecs were one of the worst teams in all of college basketball. There are 353 Division I teams, and the Aztecs were right there at or near the bottom. And now they're ranked number four, and who knows, you know, no ceiling, sir. That's what Yanni Wetzel says, no ceiling. It's just so awesome to watch. And then Saturday night, you know, it's going to be a great game. They're going to play Utah State here at home in San Diego. They're going to be retiring Kawhi Leonard's jersey and Viejas rafters. So he's going to be there, and word on the street is some of his Clippers teammates are going to be there and family. And I know the Clippers have a game Saturday afternoon, I think around one. So you figure he'll probably get out of the Staples Center about four, four thirty, buzz down to San Diego. The Aztec game starts at seven, and then they're going to have the halftime ceremony for Kawhi, which will probably start around eight. So he's going to have a full day, but it's going to be a very special day for the Aztecs. And the game against Utah State. It's a damn good team. They were the preseason uh, number one team in the Mountain West, so the Aztecs will have their hands full if they want to get to 23-0. and 0. But just got to give 
massive props to Brian Dutcher and everything that he's doing with the basketball program at San Diego State University. Just really impressive. Um, the other story I want to share with you, and I, I had a little bit of an adventure today. Um, I had to go to the DMV and get my real ID. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever done this. Uh, my Everyone in my family had already gotten their real ID, and they would always check with me. Have you gotten it? Have you gotten it? And I was like, no, I haven't gotten the notice in the mail. And I have to renew my driver's license in February. And so um, I, I got the notice in the mail probably in October, um, letting me know about it. And yeah, it was it was actually late October when I got the notice. And I might have sat on it for a couple of days. And then I finally said, you know, I better set an appointment. Everyone was warning me. And I was able to book appointment today, January 30th, like 90 days in advance. I had to book this appointment. And so I take, you know, time off work and uh, work my way down to the Poway DMV. And fortunately, I'm able to get into the line for appointment um, for people with appointments. And, you know, I'll say this up front. I got in and out in 30 minutes, which is remarkable. We hear stories about the DMV and how if you're there without an appointment, you could be there for hours, if not a half day or more. Um, I was in and out in 30 minutes, but still those 30 minutes were still so frustrating because I'm thinking to myself, why in the hell am I here? What's the point of this? Okay, I have a driver's license. And it's me. It's You can see my face, my name, my address. Why does it have to expire? Really? I mean, if I've, if I've passed a driver's test and I'm not a problem on the road, why does it need to expire? Well, probably to generate more revenue for the state, right? It's just another revenue source. And then you know, I read about the, the real ID and, you know, it's Homeland Security that's implementing this. And I'm thinking this is just more of this, um, you know, fear and uncertainty. And then it requires, you know, in this case, the federal government and the state of California to really clamp down on people. And now, you know, it's like you have to kind of, you know, go before the, the queen and, and take a knee, essentially, um, as they you know, log you in their system, update their records. And, you know, it, to me, this is just excessive abuse of authority by government to continuously ask us to come back. And they're threatening us that if we don't get this real ID, we can't fly on airplanes, which this is the whole TSA nonsense as well. So, I mean, it was just it felt a lot like this notion of, you know, like the show me your papers. Right. <laughs> you saw that in World War Two and and. You know, and we're seeing that today, you know, with our whole immigration crisis that's going on. Um, but it's this notion of government demanding that you show your papers. And in this case, I had to bring my my passport, my Social Security card. I had to print out a statement from my mortgage. I had to, you know, dig up all this documentation, bring it with me like a good, you know, a, a good soldier, a good boy, bring it in, you know, bend a knee, pay my fee, $37. For what? What value did I get out of this? None. I got no value other than being able to avoid the penalty of not being able to fly on an airplane. So, um, yeah, I went through that process today and it, it's just, I just think it's just terrible. Um, it's a waste of time and it's, in my opinion, an abuse of government authority. But I will say this is when, when I've, I've commented about this every time I go to the DMV, which thankfully isn't that often. 
But it, it, it's interesting because we all live, all of us live in our own version of a bubble, right? We have our family and our coworkers and people in our community, and we're interacting with people that in some cases are similar to us, have similar lifestyles, similar careers, similar interests with, you know, our family, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors. But when you go to the DMV, you are getting to see a real cross-section of society. And it's interesting because you see everybody there. And it just gives you, a, I guess, maybe a, a better sense of really what the community is like. Because you see people of all ethnicities and you see people of which look to be all ethnic backgrounds and um, income levels. And it's just interesting just to look around. Um, but, you know, I, I was in and out in 30 minutes. You might be thinking, why in the hell am I bitching about 30 minutes? But why do we have to keep doing this? Why do government documents need to expire? Why do we have to go in for this real ID? Um, and why are they wagging their fingers and threatening that we can't fly on airplanes? I mean, the whole TSA nonsense, I, I think, is insane. I mean, we it, it's, again, it's the same thing. We're kind of being, you know, having a finger wagged at us, um, threatening us. And we have to jump through these hoops, wait in lines, take off our shoes, take off our belt, remove our computers, you know, essentially run the run, run the gauntlet. Have they ever caught anyone in TSA? Really? I mean, how effective is this program or is it just a make work program for a bunch of uh, you know, employees of these agencies? Um, and I get frustrated by this whole thing. So and I was I was really actually worried that um, I hadn't checked my passport in, in a number of years. And I was worried. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if my passport had expired and then I show up for my real ID? They probably would have denied me if my passport was expired and then thrown me back, you know, into the back of the line and probably would have had to wait another three months. But thankfully, my passport still had a couple of years left on it um, and we were able to move forward. But uh, that was my adventure this morning is going to the Poway Department of motor vehicles and getting my real ID. But hey, I, the good news is, is I get to have a new photo on my driver's license. And my last one was just awful. So this will be good. At least I'm hopefully I, I took a good picture this time. So we'll see how it goes. All right. So, you know, I, I talk about this podcast and it's a podcast about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And one I mean, these are inalienable rights that are in our Constitution. And what these rights are is they're individual rights, right? These are rights that we all have as individuals. We have a right to our own life, to manage our own life. We have a right to liberty, a right to choose how to live our life. And we have a right to pursue our own happiness, you know, essentially to live our own life according to our own values. These are individual rights. These are not collective rights. You know, collective rights are rights for a group, but not for another group. That's the beauty of it's one of the reasons why I make this podcast about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, because I think th these values, these rights are so important in our country. It's what makes America special. And I think it is the right philosophy going forward. But now we're starting to see uh, – we're not starting to see. We've been seeing bigotry in the United States for, for centuries, right? And we're seeing it again now. And it's infecting our local politics. And I'm sure it does every cycle because this kind of hate and, and, and 
and disgusting behavior always seems to come forward in election cycles. Um, but this is really collectivism. This is racism, homophobia, what have you, that we're seeing in these cases. And I want to break some of these ones down. Okay, so the first one is is out in the congressional race in East County, and this is the race of uh, Carl DeMaio against Daryl Issa. I mean, those are the two front runners essentially, and they're battling each other. And Daryl Issa just released a number of ads that were basically um, kind of calling out Carl DeMaio being gay. I mean, they were making that a big deal that he's gay. Um, some people are calling it gay baiting or, you know, essentially it, it's, it's, a, it's a form of homophobia, in my opinion. And, you know, what, what um, Isa had published, he, he used the headline, California's gay GOP kingmaker. This was a headline from a 2018 LGBTQ newspaper um, edition talking about Carl DeMaio. And um, and there was another case of this where uh, in 2013, The Hill, which is another kind of a political um, media source. I think it's mostly online. I don't think they have a print edition. Um, yeah, a D.C. publication. And they stated in reference to Carl DeMaio, a gay GOP candidate party must change. And they make a you know, this has been really tagged on DeMaio being gay, um, which I guess if we were to roll the clock back, let's just say 10 years ago or maybe even 15 years ago where, where you know, gay, gay rights was much more in the zeitgeist. I mean, it seems like now for a, a great degree, society has largely evolved and even people on the right wing are open to gay marriage and gay rights. But you go back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, I mean, it was a lot of gay bashing that had occurred back then. Um, and so they were making a big deal of it then, um, especially with Carl DeMaio being gay and being a Republican, which for many people, they thought that was unusual. But I always thought it's irrelevant. I mean, what are these people doing? What the candidate represents is the policies he put forward. So Daryl Issa um, came out with these ads and he was just widely slammed by people in the media, by people in his own party. And here I'll read a couple of comments. A spokesperson for San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner, another Republican, who has endorsed ISA in the race, told the Los Angeles Times that campaigns should focus on people's positions on the issues, not people's sexual orientation. Well, good for you, Kevin. I mean, that's right. That's exactly right. I wish you would have used a little stronger language. Um, it, it's interesting, too, because um, Faulkner endorsed ISA when he ran for Congress when he was running. Is it the 53rd, I think, is the district where ISA used to live up in Vista. I think he still lives in Vista. Um, and Faulkner backed him and endorsed him in that race. And I don't know if Faulkner ever actually endorsed him again here in 2020, but ISA was running um, video clips of Faulkner's endorsement in 2016 today in the 2020 race, which is, was very underhanded. And they, people came back to Faulkner and asked him if he still endorsed him. And he said, yes. Well, then since then, these really just vile um, campaign um, ads came out from ISA, you know, calling out um, Carl DeMaio as gay, you know, making that a big deal. And um, Faulkner didn't pull back his endorsement. I wish he would have. 
Um, Kevin Faulkner is an interesting character. We, we've talked about him on the State of the City address um, that he gave the previous year in 2019. And he had some great things to say about housing. But he's an interesting cat because he's a Republican in California, which is a difficult place to be. Um, but he is really the highest ranking gov- uh, Republican official in the state of California, uh, a mayor of a big city. And it'll be interesting to see what his political future is. I really wish he would have come out and condemned um, ISA for this and withdrew his endorsement, um, because not only would that have been the right thing to do, but I think that would have played very well for him as a Republican in the state of California. So um, I, I was disappointed that he hasn't backed down from that. Now, another prominent um, San Diego uh, Republican is Tony Kravark. And he's actually the the chairman of the San Diego County Republican Party. And he said that the paper, um, the ad was highly inappropriate um, and encouraged candidates to stick to the issues. Now, again, here's the chief of the party here. You know, if you say it's highly inappropriate, that's just sort of a slap on the wrist. I mean, you've got to come out and condemn this bullshit. This is wrong. You know, calling people out for their sexual orientation. I mean, we should all be treated, um, you know, based on like it's like Martin Luther King said, you know, um, I want my children to be judged not on the color of their skin, but instead on the content of their character. It's the same concept. These candidates need to be judged on their character, on their policies, on their leadership, not who they choose to love. I mean, come on. Um, I mean, if, if we're going to get into, you know, people's personal lives and sexual orientations, I mean, we can look at the president of the United States and, and his track record, which is shameful. Um, but really, it has to be about the issues. And then um, – in here, here's a here's a local Republican that went a step further, and he and this is San Diego City Council member Chris Kate called the ISA ad horseshit. <laughs> so bravo, uh, Kate, way to come out and really call it like it is. Um, and then the San Diego Union Tribune's editorial board dubbed the ad a permanent stain on ISA. Okay, well, good for you, UT, uh, calling them out for this. I mean, this is just insane, um, and. This whole race is very interesting because you've got um, you've got the the, the primary uh, Democrat up there who is Amar Kampa Najjar, and you know he ran against Duncan Hunter in the previous election and came very close to winning. Um, but this this district is very very red, very very Republican. But the Democrat almost won, so now people are questioning really how red is this district. But you know Duncan Hunter Jr. you know left office in a scandal and disgrace, and so you would hope that we would see the Republican candidates coming forward showing some more character, and then we see Daryl Issa doing this, which is just unbelievable. Um, and then you know Carl DeMaio, another. Um, you know, strong candidate in the race, um, as well as Brian Jones. And and, and there's also a Democrat. Um, well, the Democrat is Kampa Najjar. And there's a number of independent um, in the race. Helen Horvath is an independent. Um, but really, the, the focus of this, at least at the primary stage, is really between DeMaio and Issa. Um, Kampa Najjar, I think most people feel is going to survive, is going to be one of the top two to get to the November uh, general election. But who of the ISA DeMaio is going to survive? And it's getting ugly. I've been seeing some of the ads here on TV. Now, granted, just just for the record, I, I live in the 
Is it the 52nd? Scott Peters is my uh, is my congressman who, by the way, just endorsed Michael Bloomberg. I couldn't believe that. Um, but this this district is is further out in East County, really a lot of El Cajon, Alpine, Lakeside, Santee. And then I think it even includes a little bit of eastern Temecula and the Riverside County as well. So. Um, and then parts of Escondido and Valley Center, I think, are in this district. It's kind of a crazy drawn district. Uh, again, probably part of the gerrymandering of the way these lines are drawn. But it's it's like what we're seeing is a layering and layering of bigotry on top of bigotry. Because what these candidates are doing, DeMaio and Issa, is really they're, they know Trump is president. They, they know Trump is very popular in the that congressional district, and it's a battle of who is more Trump-like than the other. You know, who is tougher on immigration? Who is for more border walls, border security? And I'm thinking, oh man, um, I understand the strategy, but these people they seem to sell their soul just to win. I mean, President Trump, and I've called him out on my numerous previous podcasts on his bigotry. I mean, you know, his policy of set, bringing up the walls, he, you know, he ran on banning Muslims from entering the United States. I mean, come on. And and he ended up having, you know, the courts wouldn't let him do it because obviously it's a violation of the First Amendment and our freedom to, um, you know, have to to practice religion. Um, so you can't ban people based on their religion entering the United States. I mean, it goes against the fundamental values of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, of a freedom of religion, of the First Amendment, which, by the way, is something freedom of religion is something that Republicans are constantly demanding, that they have freedom to practice their religion. But yet some, in this particular case, Trump wanted to ban people based on their religion. But it ended up turning into you know a ban instead for people from certain countries, which is indirectly kind of the same thing. Um, and then President Trump, I just got to quote this, and this this says it. This is from his announcement speech when he ran, he announced his candidacy for president in, I think it was June of 2015, and he was in Trump Tower, and, you know, Donald Trump and Melania Trump came down the escalator, and they got he got in front of a podium, which apparently in front of a room of paid uh, of paid fans in the audience. And he said, when Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending them. They're, they're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems and they're bringing those problems with, with them. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. <laughs> it's just insane. Um, so categorizing people with these broad brushes as, you know, good versus evil is just unbelievable. Um, it's just this broad brush, this this false stereotype, this negative connotation to an entire group of people is just terrible. And ISA is playing into that because he knows that the base that supports Trump in, in many ways kind of agrees with this. So you see DeMaio really – I mean DeMaio won't get that ugly on this. But he – DeMaio is you know, talking about the border wall and strong um, anti-immigration position because he knows that's necessary to win as a Republican, especially in that district. Um, and then when Isaac got called, called out on this, you know, he just – he again, very Trumpish. He just doubled down on it. 
He said, damn right I did that. I don't have a problem with it. And, and he says, I'm just sharing facts. These were headlines that were in other publications. It's not like I'm saying them. I'm just sharing what they said. And uh, come on. I mean, what he's doing is just throwing red meat to a red base out in that congressional district. And it's like, dude, um, Duncan Hunter Jr. was removed. He was disgraceful. Duncan Hunter Sr., I think most people thought was a respectable individual. I think there's some people that had differences of opinion. But Duncan Hunter Jr. left in disgrace. We think we want to have people of strong moral character that can come in and swing that pendulum back into a good spot. But ISA just dragging this race down into the gutter is just terrible. Now, Carl DeMaio is an interesting character. He um, you know, was on city council in – uh, in San Diego. And actually prior to that, I think he, I, I was, I was actually reading his bio on Wikipedia and it was very interesting. The one piece of news I never knew about him is that, you know, he, I guess he was born on the East coast. Um, and then he grew up in Orange County and then he went away to a boarding school and for high school. And then his mother got sick and died, but which is awful, obviously it must've been a heavy burden. But a, a couple of months before his mother died, his father just abandoned the family. You know, right when the, the mother was essentially on her deathbed, the father just leaves. So imagine if you are, you know, far away in a boarding school, your mother is dying, your dad flees. I mean, it must be a terrible place to be. I mean, it's got to affect him pretty greatly. Um, but he, you know, he, he, you know, it was obviously very interested in government and um, came to San Diego, ran for Congress. He lives in Rancho Bernardo, um, ran for uh, not for Congress. He ran for city council and he won. And then he went on to run for Congress in my district, which is the district that he lives in and lost very narrowly to Scott Peters. And I think that was in 20. 14, I think, is when that race was. And then since then, you know, he's always on the scene. He has a, a talk radio show. He was fighting against the gas tax, and he ended up losing that battle, which I was amazed. And Californians just love increasing taxes on themselves, which I, is just mind-blowing to me. Um, and uh, and now he's running in this race out in East County. Um, he, DeMaio, at least initially, would always – he got my interest – uh, because you could generally frame him very in a very broad sense as being um, fiscally conservative, fiscally um, l- you know limited. He wanted to reduce spending. Um, he wanted to balance budgets. Um, but on the other hand, he socially more accommodating, socially more open. I mean, after all, he is gay. So. Um, that always kind of intrigued me about him, but. I never really knew the guy. There's a lot of people that have met him and and are not fans of him personally, um, not for political reasons, not for sexual orientation, but for a variety of other things, which I don't really even know. But I know there's been a certain amount of criticism towards him. And then also when he ran in for Congress in 2014, there were all kinds of horrible um, sexual accusations against him um, by some of his opponents or staffers from his opponents. And it just got really, really ugly then in 2014. And now we're seeing it really, really ugly in 2020, that, again, attacking him based on his sexual orientation. So 
um, it's it's just awful. And and I guess you know more broadly, this all gets back to identity politics. And and I just think it identity politics is a scourge on this nation. Identity identity politics is dividing us. Identity politics is creating you know good versus bad. You know good guys versus bad guys. It's creating this divisiveness, this friction. It sets us off against each other. It's like really how I think you could say some of the leaders kind of distract um, the voters to be fighting amongst themselves um, rather than being unified for common goals. Um, So this identity politics is just killing this country, in my opinion. Um, And you know, it, it, it's this, it just inflames hate and it inflames divisiveness. And, and, and we talked a lot about this on the Poway Habad shooting that happened in April of 2019. And I had an old episode devoted to it. And in many ways, it, it's the same thing. I mean, the same core concept. It's the, the shooter of the Poway and the Poway Habad shooting hated the Jews. Um, he also hated the Muslims. He tried to burn down a mosque in Escondido. Then he gets a gun and he goes to the to the um, um, to the Chabad here in Poway and starts shooting people. Kills one woman, who, who by the way they named the street after her, right around the corner from my house. Um, and then injured the um, the rabbi and uh, and it was all driven by hate. It was it was driven by. Good guys, bad guys. And, you know, in this case, the bad guys, according to the shooter, were the Jews. And it's like, what what drives people to do this? And I don't know, maybe, you know, whether it's it's racism, it's homophobia, you know, you even see it to a degree now with ageism is is actually happening now. I mean, we did the whole, we did a podcast of like about a couple of months ago about this whole okay boomer thing. Um, and, and, you know, essentially it was a, you know, a, a, a dismissal of old people and their opinions or takes on things. And this whole idea that old people are screwing up the country and, and it's this young versus old battle. Um, again, more identity politics. Um, it's this divisiveness that is just crazy. And so, I know, it, it just, you wonder, is this like a basic, it must be a basic human condition, right? Because this goes back, we can go back all throughout history and there are battles between tribes, battles between religions, but it's always this sort of um, uh, irrational fear of the other, um, an irrational fear of someone that's different. And sometimes... Well, it is. A lot of times it's irrational. There might be a few cases of people in that category that are of, um, you know, of very bad character, but then they assign that to the whole group. And then and that's when we see these comments from President Trump when he says um, about the Mexicans, they're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're bringing rapists. Oh, and some, I assume, are good people, which is, you know, basically saying that's the exception to the rule. Um so th- this this idea of identity politics is killing us, and then it we get it, then it turns into political correctness, you know, in terms of well, who is more embracing of this group or that group, and then you know, God forbid, you have a, the intersectionality. It's not just you know you know a, a person based on their race, but defined by their gender, and then suddenly we've got you know black 
you know, gay people and white uh, bisexuals and all these combinations of all these different categories um, just creates further division um, at lower and lower levels. Um, and it's nuts. It really is. And, and, I, and, and the, the politicians, they, they, they know that and they play into the game. I mean, it's a lot like Elizabeth Warren, um, who I'm no fan of, but it's one of the reasons why, you know, she was proclaiming that she was Native American, was to try to say that, you know, she's like the these other people, these people that are more oppressed. Um, it turned out, you know, she was she was, der, you know, derated for it for a long time. Then President Trump, you know, in, in Trump fashion, starts calling her Pocahontas, making fun of her using an ethnic name, um, you know, from a, you know, historical character. Um, but which again is playing into this whole notion of racism from Trump. Then, then Elizabeth Warren gets suckered into Trump's game, which was dumb of her, takes the test and says, yeah, see, I am proof. And, but it's one, one, one uh, out of 1,024. And then Trump gets like, who cares? I don't care. You know, cause he was able to manipulate Warren, uh, to take the test. Um, but again, see, it's all playing into this. And Ben Shapiro talks a lot about this. Ben Shapiro is a conservative talk show host. Um, and he talks about this hierarchy of um, what did he call it? The, uh, the was, it, was it the hierarchy of oppression? I think it was what he referred to it as is, you know, essentially it's a race to see which group is the most oppressed and certain groups rank higher than other groups. And he breaks it down and um, it's unbelievable, but it, it's, it's infecting the way we go about managing our society. It affects the way people behave. Some cases with all of these, you know, awful incidents of shootings and everything else, um, it gets to the point where we're unable to see the individual and their individual character, their individual experience, their individual leadership qualities, the things that make them special, the things that make them unique, the things that make them who they truly are. A little bit of a metaphor, but each of us is like a snowflake. Each of and I, I shouldn't have used that analogy because that has a whole other angle to it. Each of us is like a thumbprint. I should know about thumbprints. I was at the DMV this morning. Each of us is like a thumbprint. We're all unique. We're all different. And the fact that people are trying to categorize us in these different groups is unbelievable. And we see different versions of ways people use identity politics, depending on where you are on the political spectrum and what party you are involved in, because it's just so infected everything uh, in society. And it's sad and it's wrong. Um, we have to look at individual people and their uniqueness. Um, but yeah, the, the other part of the way that the politicians play the game is and you hear this largely from progressives, people on the left, and they'll they'll call out the Republicans. They're a bunch of old white men, and you know, and 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 derade them for that. And then the funny thing is, is that the, the last Democratic debate were all white people, and most of them were old. And the two the two main people on the stage, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, are both old white men. <laughs> And they're the leading contenders amongst the Democrats, which shows, which is proof of what I'm saying, because you can't just dismiss people simply because of their age or their race or their gender 
or any combination of those. Because there are some good people that are old white men and there are some bad people that are old white men. And we can break it down. Every individual is different. Um, but uh, that's why we have to judge the individual, not the group. So what, what Daryl Issa has done in this case is just disgusting. It's vile. It's awful. And it's the kind of thing that should not be tolerated. I mean, if, if you're in that district, again, I think it's the 50th. If you're in that East County area, um, I would, str- I'm, I'm not endorsing a candidate, but I am saying don't vote for Daryl Issa. Um, do not support that man. I think what he is doing is wrong. Um, and, uh, I, I hope he goes down. Um, you know, there, there are some other candidates in that race, like I said, that are, that are very worthy. Um, DeMaio, uh, Brian Jones, by the way, is Brian, you know, Brian Jones, I think I commented on this before. He, he was trolling Carl DeMaio and Daryl Issa because, by the way, Carl DeMaio and Daryl Issa don't even live in the district. I mean, how is that even possible that you can run for office and not live in that area? It's incredible. Um, so Daryl Issa you know, lives in Vista. Carl DeMaio lives in Rancho Bernardo, right around the corner from me. Um, but he, they, neither of them live in the district. But Brian Jones does. Brian Jones is a Republican. He was on the Santee City Council. He was in the state Senate. And he was trolling those guys, saying like he was the only like authentic guy, you know, because his Senate district was a huge overlap on this congressional district. So I think he's hoping he's going to do well. Um, you know, Amar Kampanajar is the is the Democrat. Uh, and again, he came very close to winning. He. He, you know, he, he seems like a man of good character from what little I've seen of him. And then there's an independent who I just happen to follow on Facebook. Her name's Helen Horvath. And, and you know, she's not in a party. She's not heavily funded. But I'll give her credit. She's out there. She's meeting people. She's hustling. And she's out there as an independent candidate, just like we had Fernando Garcia here, who uh, is running for Congress as well as an independent. And I love giving support to independents because these two parties, I think, are just killing us. I, I think the, they're they're really undermining. What, I mean, we see this whole impeachment thing. It's, it's a lot of that as well. Um, so, yeah, judge the individual, not the group, and down with Daryl Issa. Um, all right. So, uh, all right, let's uh, give a shout out to one of our sponsors, PowayStore.com. Um, the folks at Poway Store just uploaded a whole bunch of new shirt designs, sticker designs, um, new coffee mugs, all with Poway artwork, Poway logos. Um, so really cool stuff. They have this one shirt that um, is like a historical trail shirt. So it has like a an image that kind of looks like the Big Stone Lodge. We, you know, we've talked about the Big Stone Lodge on this podcast, the old historical building that may be getting torn down. Um, so it's got a rendering of that and the Poway Trails. And it's a really nice T-shirt design. Um, and, uh, and there's another one that they put up is pretty funny. And it says, you know, because the Poway logo, uh, slogan is Poway, the city in the country. So they have some shirts that say Poway, the city that bulldozed the country. <laughs> and that's obviously because of all the construction that's going on and Poway Road and all of this development that's going on, which is really upsetting some people in town. Um, and thinking that Poway is really losing its old historical country character. In many cases, some of these folks are people that are not excited about change. 
Um, but it's a shirt that really shouts out to them. Poway, the city, the bulldoze, the country. So there's a couple of different shirt designs for that uh, that are out there at PowayStore.com. You can um, sign up to be on their mailing list at PowayStore.com. You can get updates on their newest products. So I encourage you to go out and check out our sponsor, PowayStore.com. Well, speaking of Poway, um, let's take a look at this other race. And, and this is the one involving Steve Voss and Joel Anderson. And again, they're not – this is the race for county supervisor. It's District 2. It's, again, largely an East County district. In this case, Poway is in East County, which, again, I've talked about this. If you've ever – if you're a fan of the Padres, you got to get on po- the whole Padre Twitter group. The Padre fans on Twitter are fantastic. It's a really great group of people, but they like joking that Poway is in East County. And Poway people usually try to resist that. <laughs> they like to think they're more North County than East County. But then ironically, this county supervisor district is an East County district, and the whole of Poway – is in East County, according to this definition. Um, and so, you know, there, there are, I think, four or five people running in this race. But the two main people um, are Steve Voss, who's the mayor of Poway, and Joel Anderson, who is a longtime state assemblyman, state senator, who has run numerous times and eventually was termed out uh, from East County. And, you know, Steve Voss... You know, we, we've talked about him numerous times on this podcast. He's he's the man in the cowboy hat, the mayor of Poway, the kind of aw shucks country boy. He's a horse guy. Uh, he was raised on a ranch in Oregon. Um, he's won a Grammy. He's a country musician, a country uh, music artist. Um, his daughter, by the way, Anna Voss, doing very well as a country musician as well. Um, but definitely really kind of embraces you know, a, a character, a profile that is very much aligned with the character of East County in San Diego. So much more rural, much more, you know, salt of the earth kind of guy. Um, and and then, um, you know, if you look at what he did as mayor, he's been mayor now um, going on. It'll be it'll be. Um, but when we get to near the end of the year, it'll be six years. So he ran for mayor in 2014, um, was elected, and then ran again in 2018 and was elected again. Now, uh, 2020, he's running for county supervisor. Um, I I gave him huge props, Steve Voss, big props on what happened with his leadership after the Poway Chabad shooting. He did what you would expect a public leader to do. He rallied the community. He put his arms around everyone and hugged them. He, I mean, literally and figuratively, he brought the community together um, and he provided that, that beacon of light, of leadership. And I thought he did a fantastic job. Um, one of the things he said in, 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 that, in that time is he said, this is not Poway. When he commented about the shooter at the Poway Habat, this is not Poway. And I remember calling him out on that because, you know, it is Poway. That is the reality. Now, I know it's not a common thing, thank goodness, but it is Poway. Um, and, I, and I think that's important. But he went on to say, we will walk through this tragedy with our arms around each other. Poway will stay strong and we will always be a community that cares for one another. And he, he walked that walk and talked that talk both 
in the in the um you know in the aftermath of the Poway Habad shooting and I and I thought he helped our community heal and I think he deserves great credit for that. Um but Mayor Voss has his detractors and um you know you'll hear them on social media talking about a number of things. But one of the one of the interesting things in, in his history is he was a guest back before he was mayor, before he was on, I think he ran for city council and he was elected in 2012. So before that, um, in 20, 2009, he was a guest on Alex Wars, uh, excuse me, on Alex Jones program called InfoWars. Now, Alex Jones is a, if you don't know who he is, he he is a conspiracy theorist. He is an extreme kind of right wing character that had his own I guess like a YouTube uh, talk show. I don't know if it was ever actually on the radio, uh, but he had a very strong following, and um, and and he, but he made this Alex Jones in this as he built up this audience, just all kinds of very vile, bigoted, racist comments that he came out with. Um, he and he has since been heavily derided, um, heavily criticized, and. As a matter of fact, he was banned. He was one of the first big time people to be banned from Twitter and other social media platforms because of his views, which, by the way, I strongly dis- not only strongly disagree with Alex Jones views, but I disagree with Twitter for banning him. I thought that was a wrong move, although they have the right to do it. I thought it was still a bad decision. Um, but back then, this is before Voss was a politician, but still Voss was a very active member of the, I guess, the the right wing, the Republican, the conservative movement in America. As a country musician, he had written songs about protecting the Second Amendment um, with some pretty strong language in the song um, and, and a number of you know other kind of murica, you know, apostrophe M-U-R-I-C-A, uh, you know, really kind of wrapping himself in the American flag which is a big part of that culture of, of many on the right wing. He wrote a lot of music and was successful in, um, in bringing a lot of that music to the market and, and had, you know, I would assume it made a bit of a career out of it. Um, but uh, in this interview on Alex Jones, this is in 2009, Voss decried illegal streaming across the border. Um, Then after lamenting a Bible study permitting issue, he told Alex Jones, the other thing that concerns me greatly is the fact that you look at the numbers of how the Muslim population of the United States is growing. And now we've got President Barack Hussein Obama saying, well, you know, we really are one of the largest Muslim countries in the world. My God, have you lost? Have we lost our bearings so badly? I guess for now, the answer is yes. So. This is a very interesting set of comments from him. Um, it's disappointing that he said that. I mean, because I think that's bigotry, what was stated there. Um, some people would even go so far as to call it racist, although there's something racial presented there. But it is religious bigotry for sure. Um, and the comments about illegal stream, streaming across the border, I guess in many ways you can proclaim that to be racist. Um so he he was rightfully called out for that, and some of his detractors in Poway will bring this up pretty frequently. Uh, but it was in 2009. And, you know, what we have now, what we're seeing is this whole notion of a cancel culture, where when people will say terrible things um, in their past— 
they end up getting blacklisted in their future. And, you know, the and, and now this cancel culture is being called out as being um, non-forgiving, as being not respecting how people are today. But essentially, like I said, uh, blacklisting them, throwing them essentially off a cliff, <laughs> you know, for these comments that they made 10, 20 or so years ago. Um, and it's an interesting topic because if people had made terrible, vile, racist comments a long time ago, but maybe they've become enlightened, maybe they've changed, do they deserve to be welcomed back into obviously into society, but do they deserve to be welcomed back into celebrity? Do they deserve to be welcomed back into the world of politics? That's an interesting debate. I think people um, will have different opinions. And I think a lot of it depends on what was said or what was done. Um, You know, obviously people that commit violence, that's hard to get a do over on that. That's hard to gain forgiveness. But sometimes when people express like people make an awful tweet you know, when they were young and foolish, um, do those deserve forgiveness? Interesting p- comment. I personally think in many cases they do, especially if you believe the person and you think that they really have turned a corner. Um, now, Voss, in his interview with the San Diego Union Tribune, because they were interviewing all the candidates to determine if they were worthy of the UT's endorsement, Voss was very remorseful. And you could tell that he regretted saying it. Um, and he even commented he's he's grown up some since then, which I guess is an all shucks country boy way of saying that he's evolved. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because it makes you wonder, you know, who is the real Steve Voss? Um, because he's. He's a, he's definitely I've said it before. He he's a wonderful marketer. He he's very good at branding. You know his his persona that he puts out in front into the public view is very character driven, in my opinion, and I think it works well for him in many ways. But was he playing a character in the 1990s and 2000s when he was a musician? Um, really wrapping himself in the American flag, really standing up very aggressively for the Second Amendment? Um, was he acting as a character when he was on the Alex Jones Infowars show? And by the way, Alex Jones, this is an interesting sidebar here. Alex Jones admitted, I think this might have come out when he was getting divorced or something, but he admitted that he doesn't believe what he says. He was saying, I'm just playing a character. I'm just trying to be this persona and I'm really not being authentic in who I am, but I'm just doing this to get ratings. And then you wonder, is he telling the truth or is he really that or is he really not that? And then it opens up the whole thing where all these people like Rush Limbaugh and all these other you know, political commentators, do they really believe what they say they are uh, or are they just playing a character? Was, is Steve Voss playing a character? Was he playing a character then? When he made these terrible, racist and bigoted comments, or is he playing a character now as a leader that wraps his arms around people in a time of crisis? It's an interesting question to ask. I mean, I've I've known Steve Voss for a while. Um, back in 2012, I, I when I first met him, and I was at the time. Um, the president of Poway National Little League, 
And I invited Steve Voss to come and sing the national anthem at our opening day ceremonies. And he graciously agreed. And he brought his daughter, Anna, with her with him. And Anna, like I said, has now, you know, she's gone to Nashville and she's blowing up. I mean, she's, she's going to become like one of the next big country superstars. But back then Anna was like 13 years old, maybe something like that, 14. And the two of them came out, sang the national anthem, Steve Voss with his guitar right there at home plate at Palmerado Elementary here in Poway. And he did a great job and he was, he was gracious humble. Um, I got to know him in um, 2014 when he was getting organized to run for mayor. Um, And at that time, I was a candidate for Poway School Board. And so we saw each other a lot on the campaign trail. He always struck me as a good guy. Um, Never really had any objection with him. In fact, I really liked him um, in a lot of ways. I didn't really know about this Alex Jones Infowars stuff until much later. Um, but now looking back on it, th- this seems very out of character, what he said on InfoWars. But then if I go back and look at some of the music he created, some of that would play well to an Alex Jones audience on InfoWars. So it's interesting. Um, who is the real Steve Voss? My instinct says, my instinct says is that what you see is what you get. Um, what we're seeing now where he is humble, he's a contrite, um, about this issue. Um, he doesn't strike me in any way, at least today as being bigoted or racist, even though these terrible comments occurred over 10 years ago. Um, like I said, I'm, this was a long time ago. I'm, I'm not a big proponent of the cancel culture where people are basically being blacklisted for comments they made a long time ago. Because I think people can change, people can evolve. Um, But it it is a very interesting question because he plays a character. You never see him without his cowboy hat. You never see him really presenting this persona. And I think all politicians to a great degree do have a persona that they present to the public which may be different than what they present to their family and loved ones. But with Mayor Voss, it, it, it's, it's, it's more than that. I mean, he even has an alter ego. Um, and what is it? Buck Howdy. I mean, he dresses up as a, as a children's um, cowboy character and sings old country songs around the campfire under the name Buck Howdy. So he's done this before, playing a role, playing a character, He's a marketer. He's a performer. So it's just an interesting question. And I think it's an interesting question to ask a lot of these people in the public, um, in public, in the public view. Are they who they, they appear to be or are they playing a role? Interesting question to ask of Donald Trump as well. Is he playing a role? And I think the fact that President Trump used to be a Democrat has flip flopped on so many issues um, tells me, yeah, he'll change whatever he has to do or change whatever he has to say just to be well-liked, just to have his ego stroked because what he presents is largely inauthentic. Um, So politicians are interesting cats on this. Um, 
Now, the um, the Union Tribune did offer their endorsement of Steve Voss for county supervisor, and you know they they applauded him for being very approachable and always publishing his cell phone, which he still does to this day. People are welcome to give him a call at any time, um, and he was humble in his um, in his interview. Like I said, he it was a contrite. He said, "I just want to listen, learn, and then lead," which. That's a great message because usually politicians are just, you know, like President Trump. I alone can fix it (laughs) is what he says. Um, I think it's smart for Voss to do this. But this plays into that aw shucks country boy thing. Um, But it is a good message, I think, especially for a politician. And he also acknowledged he wanted to upgrade mental health and uh, uh, mental health uh, capabilities in the county. He wanted to. Um, investigate more about what's going on with the terrible deaths that have been occurring in our jails, which are good things to pursue. Um, but uh, yeah, the and the UT knew full well about this Alex Jones info war, wars, um, these comments about illegal streaming across the border, these comments about the Muslim population in the United States that Steve Voss made, and they still endorsed him. Um, so maybe they think Maybe they're wondering who the real Steve Voss is, and maybe that wasn't the real Steve Voss. I know many people might agree or disagree. Um, I invite that those comments on, on Facebook when I post this and on Twitter. I love to in, entertain the dialogue. Um, now, an interesting comment, and I, I've talked about this lady here in Poway. Her name is Chris Cruz. Um, she is the organizer of the Facebook group Poway, excuse me, South and North Poway Votes. Chris Cruz is a community activist in Poway. Um, she is extremely um, – uh, what's the right word for this? Um, extremely diligent in what she does. She will dig and dig and dig to get facts. She will go through public records. Um, she makes it her mission to know the issues. Um, she she comes from a, a politically left position, um, which is interesting because – Poway is overwhelmingly Republican. Um, and so her opinion on the issues tend to skew progressive, but she does make it her business to get a lot of the facts. And, and she made an interesting comment on Facebook, and she was referring to the article that endorsed Mayor Voss. And he said, excuse me, she said, so according to this article, the San Diego Union Tribune board had to choose you know, for an endorsement between one, a candidate who is sexist Two, a candidate who is racist. Three, a candidate who doesn't have much campaign money. And four, a candidate who didn't show up for their interview. Based on that criteria, do you think they made the best choice? And so then we immediately wonder, who are these people? Well, the candidate who is sexist is Joel Anderson. And we're going to get to that in a minute. The candidate who is racist, she's clearly referring to Mayor Voss. The candidate who doesn't have much campaign money is the Democrat, Kendra Taylor. And the candidate who didn't show up for their interview, I'm assuming she's referring to Brian Sesco, who is a lesser uh, profiled candidate, uh, a rancher, a general contractor. I'm not even sure how active his campaign is. Um, But, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Joel Anderson. And Joel is a longtime East County politician. He's been in Sacramento, both as an assemblyman and as a senator, representing that whole El Cajon, Lakeside, Alpine, I think parts of La Mesa. Um, So the community there knows him very well. 
And uh, he made a comment in August of 2018 where he told a Sacramento lobbyist that he might bitch slap her. <laughs> and like, wow. And so he caught a lot of flack about that. And um, he was reprimanded um, by the party um, or excuse me, I think not by the party. I think it was by the um, the uh, the senator or the assembly. But he was reprimanded for it. And, you know, obviously this is a mark on his character as well. And so he was being called out as a sexist. Uh, because of this. And yeah, I mean, bitch slap is definitely a sexist term. Um, it's definitely demeaning to women. You know, it's violence of women. Um, and it's it's the wrong kind of comment for a public official to make to anybody, um, you know, especially a lobbyist who, you know, people, lobbyists are interacting with these politicians all the time. So, um and, and, you know, I, I think I told you, I, I did a, a, a podcast a couple of episodes ago where both Joel Anderson and Steve Voss were being interviewed by KUSI, um, which, by the way, uh, another crazy tangent here. Um, Dave and Jeff are these two guys that are big on sports radio in San Diego. Now they have the Dave and Jeff show, a great podcast. It's Dave Palais and Jeff Dotsep. And they're really big on following the whole TV and radio media marketplace because they know everybody in town. And uh, Jeff Dotset made a funny remark because they were criticizing all the local news stations in San Diego. And they were saying, like, which one do you think is the best? Is it KFMB Channel 8 or KGTV Channel 10? And they were saying, you can debate who's best, but there's definitely, you know, who's the worst. And the worst is KUSI. And he said, <laughs> Jeff Dotset said, you know what? KUSI backwards is, right? It's I suck. <laughs> and um, I just thought it was hilarious. I, li- I watch KUSI. They're all right. They're, they're definitely a little more local. I like their sports. Uh, the Prep Pigskin Report is a very well done program. Um, they do a really good job covering high school sports. But at any rate, um, Steve Voss and Joel Anderson were on KUSI and they were being interviewed. And I thought Joel Anderson came off like very unlikable, kind of abrasive, just very, you know, not warm, not comfortable, not someone you want to hang out with. Um, and he was very aggressive. And, and we're, again, Steve Voss was the opposite. He was very approachable, very aw shucks, country boy, um, very um, likable in many ways. Uh, it was interesting. Um, so I, I'm very curious to see how this is going to go. I, I originally thought that Steve Voss would win this you know, uh, going away because he's already got the support of Diane Jacob, who is the the person in that seat today, who is in, not only endorsing Voss, but strongly wants Joel Anderson not to win. Um, and then uh, with Voss's persona, you know, he's also the chair on Sandeg. I thought he'd have this going away. But then the Republican Party, you know, I talked about Tony Gravark. The Republican Party of San Diego County endorsed Joel Anderson. And all of a sudden I went, hmm, interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> it's some of you know the characters that are that are running are, are, are something else. I mean, then, and then there's the, the Democrat, and that's Kendra Taylor. She's a family therapist, and but you know she doesn't have very much money. She's struggling to get her message out. Um, and let's be real, this is East County, which historically is is one of the most Republican areas of San Diego County. Most likely, she's going to have a tough go of it, but. But then, you know, Campa Najjar did very well, came close to beating Duncan Hunter Jr. for Congress the last go around. So who knows? 
Maybe red areas are turning blue. People are saying Texas may eventually turn blue as well. So maybe things are shifting. In fact, I think Orange County might be more Democrat than Republican now. Uh, so things are changing. So you know, all these politicians, I said before, choose your heroes wisely. <laughs> um, it's just like with Julie Mason from Sirius XM Channel 124 POTUS. And she would always say, never fall in love with a, with a politician. They always disappoint you. And that is very true. And it's hard to find. I mean, we're all human. We're all flawed. And there is no angel. There is no utopian person. We can go through the presidential candidates and every single one of them have marks on their record, marks on their character that are not good. Um, but still, we have to choose our leaders carefully. Um, and so, yeah, the, all of this with the, just this notion of bigotry, racism, you know, religious bigotry, um, bigotry of sexual orientation, which we're seeing in the Daryl Issa attacks on Carl DeMaio. It's like, come on, man. I mean, we need to evolve. We need to get beyond this. We need to focus on the individual because this whole group identity, identity politics business is what's killing us. It's what's undermining us. It's defining what makes us different rather than what makes us similar. Now, we're all unique and we're all special, but when you categorize a group of people as good or bad without looking at each individual person in that group, that's a disservice to those people in that group because you're judging them unfairly. And so uh, we've got to get beyond this. Um, you know, there we, we already get beyond the fact that people have different color eyes, <laughs> people have different color hair. So why are we getting hung up on different color skin? Why are we getting hung up on different religions? We need to fight against the, the racism and the bigotry where it exists, but we need to move beyond it. Sure, it's an, it's a part of a person's makeup. It's part of what defines them as who they are. But it shouldn't be such a defining part of a person's um, persona that it diminishes their character, their leadership, their people skills. That's what's important. Whether you're hiring a person for a job or you're electing a politician to represent you at City Hall or at the county or in Sacramento or even in Washington, D.C., um, I invite uh, you to continue the conversation on Facebook um, and join me. I, I have my Facebook page, John Riley Project. Come on out. Check me out on Twitter, John Riley Poway. If you could share this episode with a friend um, or three friends, that'd be really helpful. Let people know about this podcast, the John Riley Project. It's about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A lot of times we're interviewing interesting guests. Other times I'm doing my solo podcasts. We talk about politics. We talk about entrepreneurship. We talk about um, free market capitalism. We talk about electric vehicles. We talk about sports. Um, we talk about self-improvement in a lot of our episode categories. So I invite you to share this with other people as we can build our audience. And I have a couple of closing quotes that I want to make. Um, one from Ayn Rand. And she said, racism is the lowest, most crudely primitive form of collectivism. And she's right. Again, collectivism is not seeing the individual. It's seeing the group. It's categorizing people in all these groups. That's what collectivism is. Um, and when you're judging people based on the identity of the collective, 
you're, you're losing the ability to judge them on their own individual identity. And it is primitive and it is crude. And the other person I'm going to give a shout out to for a quote is Dave Rubin. And I, I've said before, I think what he does is great. He has his own show called The Rubin Report. And in many ways, I've tried to model my podcast after him, particularly when I have interview of, of candidates um, and other interesting guests here on the, on the podcast. Dave Rubin said, there are black conservatives. There are Mexican libertarians. There are lesbian Christians. And there are cisgendered, blue-haired, video game-playing, bisexual Quakers. <laughs> and if you care about all those labels more than the ideas that the people themselves believe in, then you are part of the problem. Right on. I strongly agree with that point. Um, so this is John Riley. This is the John Riley Project signing off on Thursday. January 30th, 2020. See you later, friends, and have a great day. Bye-bye. <music>